Okay, well, we will be back in 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll start there in verse 8. Okay, we'll read, we will reread verse 8 through 14, and then we will pray and dive right in. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to come back and to preach your word, Lord. I thank you for these uh, faithful folks who have uh, come back tonight um, to hear from your word. And Lord, I, again, just ask that uh, you know my shortcomings, you know my flaws, and Lord, I just ask that uh, um, through your power we overcome those, and I just pray that uh, tonight's message, again, will be uh, fruitful and beneficial to those who hear it, Lord. And uh, again, we just lift up Pastor Jim and Laura as they are traveling back. Again, just give them traveling mercies and just uh, be with us here tonight. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. To catch back up from this morning, we ended with, I believe it was the end of verse 9. Yes, the end of verse 9, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And we were about ready to talk about the difference or the differences between conviction and chastisement and guilt. So when uh, talking about being weighed down by past sin and regret, making you an ineffective in ministry, the mature believer understands that the blood of Christ washed away our sins and every sin we would ever commit until the Lord calls us home or until we're raptured out of this place. Um, again, as I said this morning, you know, Paul, you know, gave us some truth in the scripture that says that even though this is true, this does not give us an occasion to sin as much as we want. Um, the intention of this is to free us up to be able to serve the Lord. And so the role of conviction and chastisement in our lives is to change behavior or thinking. Um, there's, there's a positive change that's being required of us. Um, maybe it's drawing us back to God. Maybe it's drawing us back into the obedience of the word. But both are of the Lord and for our good. Uh, Hebrews twelve six says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So again, that role of conviction and chastisement in our life, it's for our good. And if that's what you're under and that's what you're feeling, then again, being prayerfully considerate, going to the scripture, there's things in your life that you ought to, ought to look into, ought to change. The role of guilt, on the other hand, in a believer's life will only keep you from serving God. It's only negative. It erodes the confidence that you have possibly in your own salvation or in the doctrine that you've come to, to, to know and, and learn. Um, guilt isn't from God. It's of the flesh and it's of the devil. And I encourage you that if that is something you're struggling with tonight, give that up to the Lord. Um, just know that if you're, if you're born again, that sin is put far away from you. It's nothing that needs to weigh you down. It's nothing that needs to cause you any more stress or worry in your life. Um, and those are the worries that we need to give up to the Lord. Um, also, this feeling of guilt can, can possibly even prevent somebody from getting saved. And, and I know that this is conversations that I've had with, with other folks, um, that this thought that I've done so much in my life, 
um, from a sin standpoint, that I couldn't possibly be saved or I could not get saved. Um, it's more than the, the Lord could uh, take away. If you would, um, just turn here to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. If you ever have this conversation with someone, or if you yourself are in this predicament, I offer up this verse here in 2 Peter. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And again, the key part of that verse is that not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So if this describes you, just know that when Jesus died to pay for your sins, he paid for each sin, every sin. I think of the life of Paul um, and everything that he did. You know, Paul, prior to his conversion, was actively going out into the nation, killing Christians. That, that, was, his, he, that was his mark. His, his uh, degree of, of success in life was based on how many Christians that he could kill or put into prison. And that is a man that has greatly, was greatly used of the Lord. And uh, as far as our Bible is concerned, wrote the vast majority of the New Testament. Um, so if, if, if a man like Paul, and I would offer this up, if a man like Paul can be used of God and saved by God, um, you too can be saved, and once you get to that point, you too can be used of God. So looking at verses 8 and verse 9, now we're going to kind of look at what are some of those practical applications of those verses. Um, I mentioned this this morning, but God does not intend for us to remain baby Christians. The expectation for our lives is that we were to grow and mature in the Lord. Whether you've been saved a short time, or if this is still something that's, that's new for you, or you've been saved for a long time and have never taken those next steps, today's message, both this morning and here this evening, is meant to encourage you to take that next step, to find that next call of action in your life that the Lord would have for you to do. And at its foundation, God's plan for the life of the believer is to bring him glory and to serve him. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And as believers, we should have a desire to know God more, bringing him glory in all that we do. All right, we will move on here into verse 10. And so verse 10 states that, where, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. So what is our calling and, and what is our election? Go ahead and, with, if you would, please turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. And what we'll find there is a little more information about the, the holy calling on our lives. Starting to read in verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. But thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And here in verse 9, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
So this calling, it's a holy calling. It's according to God's own purpose and his grace and was given to us by Christ Jesus before the world began. Um, and now it was made manifest at his appearing. So our election is the truth that is shown in 2 Timothy 1.8. Um, that that offer of salvation was made to all men, and the key words there in verse 9 is, it was established before the world began. Again, all men are called to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, I know there are some Reformed theologies that will take that word election, and they will try to twist it and make it into something that it is not. Um, But I assure you that that calling election is, is, again, from Jesus Christ, and it was before the foundation of the world and before the world began. And just that word sure just means... To make your calling and election sure, it's just to know with full confidence that you're saved and that you have salvation through Jesus Christ. So that verse 10 is is really dealing with the certainty of your salvation. And I would even go as far as to say that your walk and how people perceive and interact with you um, should show that saving power of Jesus Christ in your life and his continual working through you. Um, Going back to the word, I think it's diligence. Yes, so wherefore, brethren, give diligence to your calling. You know, that word diligence meaning steady application, constant effort. And again, a theme growing in our spiritual maturity is that it takes effort and focus um, to continue in this growth. Um, These things will not just happen by happenstance. They're not going to happen by accident. They are something that we have to work for every day. Now, if you would, please turn to James chapter 2, and it'll be verse 17. If you would, go ahead and uh, hold your place there in 2 Peter. We will be back. Okay, James two seventeen. Even so, faith, if hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. So the good works that you do, they don't save you, but they do prove your faith to the lost and the unbelieving. Um, so therefore, earnestly striving to grow in spiritual maturity, giving constant effort, ensuring that your testimony shows to a lost and sinful world that you've been saved. Um, And if those are the things that keep your focus and attention, how could you fall? And that's going to the last part of that verse there back in verse 10. It says, if you do these things, you shall never fall. So if going into day-to-day routines, going into the workplace, if those are things that you're focusing on, again, focusing on a good testimony, dealing with people um, as Christ would have have you to deal with them, um, that growing in maturity will help you to show and have a good testimony with those folks. And if it's a lost and if it's a lost group of people that you're dealing with, um, again, showing a good testimony to them to possibly bring them to a point where they would also have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if it's a fellow brother and sister in Christ, um, the possibility of being having a good testimony that would bring them under conviction or possibly encourage them to take a stand where they would need to, um, again, in that workplace or, or somewhere out in the world. And then we'll go ahead and we will move on to verse 11. So we'll be back in 2 Peter chapter 1. And verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. The ultimate gift from our Lord is our eternal salvation. And verse 11 reminds us of this perfect promise. 
As born-again believers, we are members of this kingdom already. Being the kingdom of God, when we very first accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are entered into that kingdom at the moment of our salvation. Um, Colossians 1, 13-14, you you don't have to turn there, but um, the Bible states that, "...who hath delivered us out of darkness, and hath translated us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even in the forgiveness of sins." Now, I would offer up that in the context of chapter 1 here, that, that given that it is written to believers whom are already part of the kingdom of God, um, I do think that the everlasting kingdom being mentioned here is the physical kingdom that, that Christ will begin when he returns at his second coming, that being the millennial reign following the end of the tribulation period. So thinking of that entrance into the physical kingdom, the Bible gives us a, a pretty good account of what it will be like to come back with Christ to establish his earthly kingdom. And uh, if you would, go ahead, uh, keep your place here in Second Peter. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 19, and we're going to read 11 through 21, but it is the, that account of Christ's second coming. And I will admit, this is kind of following a little bit of a rabbit trail, but this account is so cool, and we get to be part of it. So so let's go ahead and start reading in verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. The beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all fowls were filled with their flesh. I'm just going to tell you, I'm a movie guy. I, you know, the, some may disagree with my taste in movies, but that Avengers battle scene where all the portals open up and everyone's coming out, and it's this big grand battle that's about to happen. I can't even comprehend what this is going to be like when we get to come back with Christ in the clouds as he... <laughs> faces off against this army that think they have a chance. And as he's coming down, he's calling out to the birds, hey, come with me. It's going to have a good meal tonight. Come along. But just wait. And the fact that the the sword of the Lord is just, which is the the words of God, the words of Christ proceed out of his mouth, and and I think it was, it calls it the remnant. And this is probably, I believe, looking back, this is the largest army that has ever gathered to battle. And, and God pretty much calls them a remnant. And he will just speak and they're gone. Utterly destroyed. 
So I will just say this. I cannot wait to experience that from the right side of the battle. We don't even have to do anything. We just get to show up and look good. And Jesus just annihilates this entire army that has come up against him. But it doesn't, and again, the, the excitement and, and, the, and what I'll call the cool factor doesn't end there. Um, looking at Revelation 20, verse 6, and yes, Nathaniel, I'm just aware that I just said, um, again, so I will. I had a conversation with Nathaniel after this morning's message, of which he told me, you know, I wouldn't, I would only tell you this because you're my friend, but you say, um, a lot. So I am cognizant of that fact. I think I've let a couple slip, but I think I'm doing pretty good. So far tonight, I'm getting two thumbs up. All right. We thought about doing, before we passed the offering plate, I thought about doing kind of an over-under where everyone take their guess and write it down, and at the end of the service, we'd have somebody count, and whoever got closest would get a K&J's ice cream cone, but it's just too close to, to pull that kind of a, a contest together. All right, sorry. Back to the Bible. Chapter 20 and verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God in Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Not only do we get to come back with Christ, watch the annihilation of this army, again, who thinks that they even have a chance of standing up to God. But we get to rule and reign with Christ for that thousand-year millennial kingdom. What an inheritance, folks. Um, amazing. All right. Let's go back to Second Peter, and we will jump back into verse 12. Keep going here. I apologize. I had everyone else stay there, and I didn't. All right, verse 12. I've also been made aware that I say all right a lot, and that's just, I think that's just me. You're going to have to deal with that one. <laughs> verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Peter, by his letter, takes it upon himself to always bring to our remembrance these things, the admonishment to grow in our own spiritual maturity, the promises, the warnings, value that we have in the Lord, and to establish us in truth. So notice the phrase, uh, though ye know then, or sorry, know ye, or, though ye know them. Given the level of Bible preaching that occurs here at Grace Baptist Church, I would probably say that probably most of everything we talked about today are things you already know. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think there was any hidden truth that was uncovered here this morning. But I will say we still need reminding. As things are getting back to normal, life is starting to pick back up pace again. Schools are coming back into session. Sports will be starting back up again. I think now is the perfect time to be reminded to not let the world get in the way of our relationship with God, get in the way of our relationship with one another, let not, not that fellowship start to break down as we all start moving back out into the community and doing our own thing, but just remember to, to, to stay plugged in. Um, our WANA ministry is going to get started back up here in a couple of weeks. I know it doesn't seem like we had much of a break because we came back for that one month ending, and then we had a little bit of a break, and we're getting right back into it. But I know Pastor has a lot of great things planned for us coming back into the fall with fall kickoff. We'll have hopefully man camp. Hopefully we'll have a couples retreat, barring that the, the country doesn't uh, start shutting things back down again. But uh, hopefully we'll have the hotels and everything will open back up and we can do that because I know that was a great uh, joy for all of the, the couples that got to go last year. So I know we have a lot of really great things being planned. So just stay plugged in. Um, don't let yourself uh, get uh, too distracted. 
And then um, also before we move on to, to verse 13, and I say I did find an interesting cross reference um, back to Luke 22:32. And let's okay, let's turn there. Luke 22. And this is specifically looking at Peter and what he is uh, doing in this uh, second book. All right, we will start reading in verse 31 for context. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. That command to strengthen his brethren, it's exactly what Peter's doing in this second epistle. He's admonishing us to call us into remembrance of the things we've already learned, the things that we already know. To not get distracted by life, not get distracted by the world, but to come back to our first love, love of Christ, and to continue, again, spiritual maturity, continuing in that growth. So just, uh, just a, like I said, fun little cross-reference I found um, during my study. And then let's go ahead and uh, finish out tonight, and we will look at verses 13 and 14 together. So starting in verse 13, Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. In these final two verses, um, you know, we look at Apostle Peter, and he's identifying that his time on earth is short. Um, kind of in the breakdown of those verses, uh, Peter says that he finds it meet, and that meet meaning that it's just or right, that while he still inhabits the, the tabernacle, and that's his temporary habitation, his body here on earth, he would stir up or call on believers to action by putting us in remembrance of the things which came before, meaning the things in his, in his first epistle and then also the things that we have seen so far in the second epistle. Verse 14 references back to Jesus' foretelling of Peter's death, um, and that's in John 21, 15. Um, we won't take the time to go back there, but I, I just thought it was interesting um, as I was reading some commentary as part of this study that back there in John 21, Jesus actually foretells uh, Peter's death. And so in this case, he's referencing back that he's already been showed what's going to happen to him. And with that in mind, this is the decision that he has made. He is going to write this epistle with the express purpose of bringing back our remembrance to the Bible and to our Lord. And then if, if you'll permit me, um, one of the uh, commentaries that I used for this study was the New Testament survey by, by James Knox. Um, if you are going to be doing any type of Bible study, I highly recommend um, that at minimum you pick up Brother Knox has a New Testament survey and an Old Testament survey. They're wonderful uh, resources for you to use. And then for this part of Second Peter, he, he had a, a really a really good thought. And so I'll just read a little bit here. So Brother Knox states, As one ponders the great passage on spiritual growth and necessity thereof, we cannot help but think of Peter's experience. All his knowledge and years of following Jesus failed him utterly when the hour of testing came. How this man learned the vanity of gifts without application, of callings without devotion, of the folly of serving God with the best of intentions, yet in the power of the flesh. When Jesus said to Peter, when thou art converted, he is referring not just to salvation, but to characteristics in his disciples' temperament, which would have to be exchanged for their opposites. The life of Peter, in reference to what we've been discussing tonight, Peter saw a great 
spiritual maturity or spiritual growth as an apostle. From thrice denying Christ to then being the one that the Lord gave the responsibility of, of, of establishing his church here on earth. And even in that personal growth, and then while he yet lives, Peter's epistle here in, in Second Peter is to strengthen the brethren, to, tra- to strengthen the church-age believers um, as we stand here today. And that we would always be looking for those opportunities to continue to grow and to continue to mature in our relationship with the Lord. So just here in closing, we spent some time today talking about spiritual growth and our need to approach the Scripture with faith and study to gain knowledge and understanding for both our own maturity and just strengthening of the, the relationship between us and our Lord. So I hope that the, this morning has been, uh, this morning and this evening has been of, of a benefit to you.